You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, year two's when you're getting everything built and trying to get it built. Uh, year two's just easier for a head coach. I don't, I don't lose my voice at practice near as much. There's not as many details that I have to fix. And it was fun just watching today, watching the assistant coaches operate, watching some of the guys play well. There's still a lot we need to fix. We're not a, a finished product by any means. Um, we're just somewhere in the process of getting the whole thing built the way we want it to. Uh, but my job gets easier the farther down that road we get. Uh, it kind of exceeded it. Uh, that's uh, probably the most fans I've seen in the stadium my whole time in college. You know, a lot of fans barely packed, and it's just a spring game, so I can only imagine what it feel like for a real game. We took a big step here in the spring, and summer is going to be so important for us. I mean, we already know our schedule for summer, and we already we already know we got to get the work done that we that we left here in the spring. But like I said, we took a big step in the spring. And, here we are going to take another step in the summer. We're going to take a step, take a step by step until we get there. Hello here and welcome again to the Oscar Line Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. Nate Klaus says we put a final bow on spring football for Nebraska for the second year in a row. The Huskers led the nation in spring game attendance. And I know some national folks and other fan bases, they get rustled by that because. There's nothing to do in Nebraska anyway. Oh, it's an unbelievable and I, I, I admit, I went into the bar and I started the fight. I, 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 I did a picture of Alabama's announced 62,000, which was a joke. I mean, it was like 30,000. If that. And probably closer to 20. I got the picture from our good friend Kyle Henderson, and I put Nebraska's up, which was, that was, I mean, last year it was 80. They said last year's crowd was more because they sold more tickets. But this year's crowd had more people in the stadium. I have no doubt about it as far as the weather goes. Yeah, I mean, there were no glaring pockets at all. I mean, it was just empty seats. The entire South Stadium seemed full. Uh, We obviously couldn't see West Stadium that well just because where we're located in the press box. But just that overhead shot, yeah, I agree. I mean, it looked like a regular game. And there were more people. I mean, you think about the Illinois and Michigan State games and Bethune-Cookman. I mean, there weren't people. I mean, those those games had some empty seats because mm-hmm. of the circumstances, weather or added games. So it, it's remarkable, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't look at the game, you know, itself as far as the outcome. I mean, Adrian Martinez played 23 plays, and I wrote this after the game. And to me, Saturday was about the day it, celebrating Nebraska football, about former players coming back to Lincoln and celebrating what that meant, the brotherhood, as Scott Frost called it, and just having the players there. And, and then, you know, Nate will speak on this a lot in the show, but the recruiting aspect. I mean, the game is kind of the sideshow to me. All the other things are way bigger to me in the grand scheme of things in the game. Yeah, I think the coaches would absolutely agree with you. For them, it's, as they always say, there's just one more of 15 practices that they're going to evaluate uh, uh, with the whole encompassing spring uh, and then on through the off season. So for them... You know, it's it's a nice uh, you know outlier in the sense that you actually get to play under the spotlight and see how guys respond under pressure uh, and having to perform in front of a, a massive audience. But other than that, there, there's not a whole lot that goes into it. So yeah, I mean this this thing is an event as more so than it is a legitimate evaluation tool for the, for the staff. I mean the, the fact that they. Uh, go through such a production of it, you know, with with all the former players and uh, you know all the, the recruits they bring in, and just the the videos that they show, the the new tunnel walk and all that stuff. Uh, it's it's really for the fans more than it is for the program. And it's not just the normal former players. I mean, guys come out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys like I have not seen like Jeff Quinn, the quarterback before Turner Gill that played for the Steelers. I saw Tony Ortiz. I mean, mm-hmm. you see dudes that – Eric Strickland Eric, was down Yeah, there. I mean, guys that you just – you know, you don't regularly see. I mean, you get the same group of guys that are always there on Saturdays or home weekends. This was like guys that traveled in, and that to me is what's special about it. Yeah, well, to me, I I look at it as a, as a recruiting tool. I mean, it is – it is a spectacle for for recruits and um, and I think for the fans that show up, I, I think they take pride in in that number, you know, of the being a part of the attendance number and, and knowing that that they can, you know, kind of have bragging rights a little bit to to uh, the national, you know, spring game attendance numbers and 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 possibly helping Nebraska become number one there and um, and then knowing that they're there to to kind of help support. 
uh, the recruits that are in attendance. And, and I mean, I think that there's a, a little bit of a pride factor. They're going to will this thing back. Yeah. I mean, that's the mentality. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's and like, like you were saying, Robin, it's, it's not quite about, uh, you know, the evaluation aspect in terms of uh, what you see on the football field uh, with the practice. But I think there's so much more than that. It's become so much bigger than just the, the sprint, the 15th practice in spring. Well, you just look what it means for the athletic department as a whole too. I mean, it's not just football recruiting. I mean, basketball that yep. is their prime I mean, they make spring a million, feature weekend and they make like a million dollars on the thing yeah I mean, and they make, yeah. i mean they make money yeah volleyball had recruits women's basketball had recruits like basically every sport uses the spring game as they're kind of saying this is what nebraska fan base is this is what the support this university and athletic department have and so uh yeah i mean it, it, there's so much value that goes well beyond what it means for the actual season uh just for the community for the university for the athletic department for every single team within it uh it is as big of a, a deal for this time of year as you can get and it just rustles the hell out of other fan bases <laughs> like iowa and other regional yeah, fan bases who just cancel their spring games because nobody would show up because they just want nebraska to go away but it, nebraska's not going away it's getting better with Scott Frost and any Iowa fan I've, I've been on this I said this last week too, they, they, they don't want to recognize that and I'll say this I think as Scott with Scott Frost as the coach every spring game will be sold out I don't I don't I do not see a situation with the momentum the last two spring games have generated with how fast tickets have gone 24 to 48 hours gone I think every spring game with Scott Frost as the coach will be sold out Agree or disagree? Well, I mean, look they're, look at the support, and they haven't even won yet. I mean, just imagine when exactly. they start competing for championships, which is the end-all, be-all goal. And if they get to that point, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a whole different level of excitement as where it goes from optimism about turning Nebraska back into what it was to we're a legit championship contender, and I want to get a glimpse of what the season's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be sold out, or at least you know over eighty thousand. If it's not sold out, it's going to be real close to yeah. being sold out under Scott Frost. And um, and to me, that's the perfect example. Is that the the support and and the the fever it, that's there with with this with the fan base under Frost. Uh, and they haven't even won anything. They haven't done anything yet. And, and I think that once this thing really gets rolling, um, it's not going to slow down as far as the spring game attendance numbers are concerned. That's for sure. Well, and even the Big Ten Network took notice. I mean, they gave Nebraska the prime live 1 o'clock window. Ohio State was at 11. And I think as long as this stadium is full, guys, every year, I mean, the Big Ten Network, I mean, the Big Ten Network, they weren't <laughs> doing that when Pelini and Riley were the coach. But mm -hmm. I think now they're kind of like, this is – Good TV. I mean, a full stadium for college. Yeah. I mean, it's they they got to give Nebraska the one o'clock window now every year. And Nebraska doesn't want to play an eleven a.m. Last year's spring game was at eleven. Mm -hmm. Remember that now? Yeah. I do. And I think that might have hurt a little bit of the attendance. Well, and also, uh, I mean, there's eighty some, ninety some thousand people going to the game. How many others are watching it on exactly. TV? So talk about ratings boost for BTN. Yeah, that, that they're dumb not to feature Nebraska in the prime window. And one o'clock is the absolute per I mean if they could just have every game at one o'clock I mean all the world's problems would be cured, <laughs> cured because I mean you you wouldn't have to get down here at like 7 or 8 a.m. I mean you yep. could you could get down here about 10 11 get a early lunch get a couple early beers or whatever and had plenty of time we're 11 I mean granted we love it for our perspective but man one o'clock is I mean that was the time growing up before TV that was the time all Nebraska games were. Everybody loves it. Media loves it. Fans love it. Players love it. Coaches love it. I remember Bo Pelini wanted every game to be at 1 o'clock, and he had said that multiple times. He didn't like night games. He didn't like morning games. He liked 1 o'clock. Even churches with 5 o'clock Saturday services love it because mm -hmm. if they play at 2.30, no one's at church at 5. So think how much money a church loses on a Saturday night. You can get all your yard work done in the morning and be ready yep. to go or tailgate for five hours and be ready to go. Yeah, you wouldn't have so to. So many options. Wouldn't have to crack your first drink at you know six a.m. to to. Get. Which some people might do other. Well, ones, yeah, I mean, I'm, and and if you do to that, each their own. yeah, hey, I'm by not, the way, I'm people, not judging. people were getting after it. Oh, yes, man. they I mean, were. We, Holy cow! Yeah, we have our office here, uh, the post office in the Haymarket, and man, the people watching was something else. Yes, just an hour or two after the game. A oh. lot of sidewalk stumbling going on yeah, outside our windows. Yeah, people just like laying down in the street. It's like man, it's like Mardi Gras out there. <laughs> yes. So yeah, yeah it was. Well, we <laughs> let's get back on track here as we talk <laughs> to spring football and basketball. We're going to have a full show here on tap. We're going to talk more about practice here. Uh, Caleb Lightborn is the first to put his name in the transfer portal. We're going to discuss that next and a few more things we learned from the spring here. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, he punted it where Isaac punted it where he was supposed to punt it. Uh, the first one was a, a moonshot. The other one landed 40-some yards downfield on the sideline. You know, we got had a punt return against Troy that they scored on that probably cost us the game. Another one against Michigan. We fell down on a punt against Purdue. And twice when the game was uh, still competitive Saturday, we punted one right down the middle of the field, 35 yards. They returned it to the 50 and then shanked one out of bounds and they got the ball on the 50. We're not good enough to, to survive those types of things. So uh, as of now, I, Isaac uh, has done well and we're going to count on him to, to do what we're asking him to do. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost back in October, more or less putting the writing on the wall that Caleb Lightborn's time as Nebraska's punter, his days were numbered. And obviously Lightborn stuck it out through the season, went through the spring, but announced he was the first to announce on Monday he's entering his name in the transfer portal. What that means is Nebraska now does not have to let him back. Um, He's foregoing his scholarship rights, if I'm trying to use kind of a professional sports term. I don't think anybody is surprised. I don't think we're not surprised by this at all, guys, uh, when you look at it as, you know, Lightborn, he's a senior and he's been lockering out of the freshman locker room mm-hmm. still. I mean, there's there's just so much to that deal. You hear you heard things behind the scenes, his attitude and, you know, showing up late and just, you know, was totally a mess mentally. And I think it showed how he played. He had an absolute terrible spring game as far as his consistency goes and, um, I don't think anyone's shocked. I'll be more interested now where he can go as a two-for-one punter at the Division One level. Mm-hmm. I think the only surprise for me is that it took so long that he actually went through the formality of spring practice when like, the writing was on the wall well before last season even ended. So, yeah, I mean, not a, not a shock, uh, especially with just that spring game. He looked really, really bad. And he's the type of guy that, you know, it's frustrating because you see him in practice and he will just blast a punt 60 yards just with a booming kick. And you can see why he was a scholarship punter. But then when the game happens and the pressure comes on, he just crumbles. And, you know, that's that's happened to guys before, and clearly Nebraska had to move on. They, he forced their hand last year, and Isaac Armstrong won that job. But, you know, really the punting game as a whole didn't look all that great, which, you know, that's something they need to shore up. Isaac you know, averaged like 37 yards a punt, didn't put any in the inside the 20. Uh, and so, I mean, that's – that's an area they're that bringing in the improve. Michigan State transfer, but he's going to have to sit out a year. Right. Yeah. So he started for Michigan State four games this year and was able to use the red shirt. He mm-hmm. started the bowl game for Michigan State, so they've got a guy coming in that's going to be the guy. Yeah, and Isaac was good last year. If he get, can get back to that level, they'll be just fine. But uh, yeah, the punting game is something that obviously needs to be addressed. And now they at least have their clear number one guy with Lightborn out of the picture. Yeah, well, I was watching Lightborn warm up on Saturday and. And he would hit just an absolute moonshot, mm-hmm. followed by like a 15-yard shank. Yeah, it just—it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, what it's all mental. What the price? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I. But I will say this: I'm—I am surprised that he's doing it because I figured if he was going to leave, he would have left at the end of last season. And so when he didn't do that, I figured, hey, you know what? He's comfortable. He's fat and happy. He's on scholarship, <laughs> like, and he's not the guy. And so he, and he's getting his stipend. So. Uh, I figured he was just content, kind of riding riding things out until he until he was graduated. I wonder if he could graduate by August and then be a graduate transfer. I, I don't know um, if you know, but would Nebraska let him stay on scholarship to August, or is he? I mean, I would assume he's off in May. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting move, and you know, you think about what the kids went through. He was supposed to redshirt behind Sam Fultz, yeah. and a week before fall camp, gets thrown into that situation. And obviously that was not an ideal situation for him. And, and he got through it. And I did feel like the next year, he had a pretty good year, his year two. And, you know, Javon DeWitt told me this last summer, Nate, when we were in uh, Florida for those satellite camps, we were talking about Caleb. And he said he's got as much leg talent as any punter I've ever worked with. So they, they were high on the guy. But I just don't know if the buy-in and investment was there from him. And some of the mistakes he made were just – tragic on the season as far as i mean you go the ohio state game i, I mean I they're up seven nothing change the course of the game and if yeah. they get that onside kick it's 10 or 14 nothing it was wide open in an 11 a.m game in columbus where that crowd would have been just deflated well, they'd have been totally out of it i mean yeah. it was already kind of a sleepy crowd but mm-hmm. i mean you do that and boy 
Change the program right yeah. there. I mean, well, it's a yeah. program-changing type of moment, you and know? In the open. I mean, Scott Frost literally listed a number of things <laughs> that literally cost them games. I mean, they were 0-6, not just because of him, but he certainly didn't help. And, you know, obviously the talent was always there, and that's what makes it so disappointing that it never, you know, lived up to that potential. But uh, Nebraska had no choice but to move on. There's going to be some more attrition, both walk-on and scholarship guys. But, you know, we're not going to get into names, but I do anticipate – it's going to be a two to four number. Um, but a lot of it is, can a guy find another scholarship like he has at Nebraska? Um, I mean, because you're giving up your, your full ride at that point, and, and that's not easy to do if you don't have that elsewhere. Yeah, as soon as you enter the portal, I mean, you're you're giving everything up and kind of rolling the dice, assuming that you're going to be able to at least find a situation that's just as good as the one you're currently in, and and hopefully, you know, for from their perspective, you're you're hoping to to get into a better situation. But that's why I was surprised that Lightborn did it, is because. I mean, I think everyone knew what type of situation he was in, but I don't know where he's going to be able to go where it's it's going to be a slam dunk better spot than what he's already getting in terms of, you know, the the education, the stipend that he's getting, and and everything else. So, um, but maybe 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 his hand was kind of forced, or yeah. maybe he was tired of lockering out of the freshman locker room and and you know whatever else, or being you know the the demands that are placed on on these guys. Maybe he just figured out you know what I'm, I'm tired of that I'm going to go somewhere else and he can go small school I mean yeah I, I mean he, he's from you know he's from Washington Eastern, maybe, maybe Eastern he goes, Washington yeah maybe he goes back and yeah maybe he goes to a smaller school Eastern Washington or something like that I don't know honestly that might be the best thing for him yeah. get, get out of the spotlight a little bit and just play football yeah and yeah and we don't want to I mean we shouldn't trash or bash the guy because we, we just decided I mean, he's gone through a ton but yeah this is big boy college football and, you know, they, they got to play the last guy. All right, we got to wrap uh, this discussion up here on spring football topics, guys. Other than, you know, some of the obvious things, what's your biggest concern coming out of the spring for Nebraska? If you were to kind of analyze, I'll say just one position group each. I don't want to say two because then we'll take everybody else's. So, so give me your biggest concern, Robin. Um, as far as a position group coming out of the spring. It's got to be center. I mean, that was the one kind of com- – uh, position battle that we were all keeping an eye on all spring, and I don't think they've gotten very far in establishing uh, much of a, a depth chart there. Obviously, I think Cam Jurgens is the guy they want, but um, you know he still has a ways to go. And you know, really, that that group in the spring game, they had a bunch of bad snaps. They didn't really get much of a push. The running game is what it is, especially with two scholarship running backs. But you know, I you know, I think that they still have a long way to go before they're really going to feel comfortable with that center spot. And as we know, that is as important of a spot as, as any on the offensive line with uh, just the leadership and on-field responsibilities that go with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on center. I, I'll go with inside linebacker. I mean, that's a spot they're super thin at. We're now losing Nick Henrich uh, out of that group. And, um, you know, last season, Barrett Root was saying yeah, that he'd like to rotate between four to maybe even upwards of five or six inside linebackers there and and they've got what th- like the legit three right now yeah. um so uh and they need those guys uh, you know for as good as muhammad barry was last year they need him to to take a whole nother step up and and i think he's he's doing that but uh they need some really good production and uh from that group and it's a very very thin group right now i'll say outside linebacker to go different um because you're looking at tyron ferguson who has never played a full season healthy at nebraska you got Breon Dixon, who whatever kept him off the field last year, whether it was off the field or on field issues. JoJo Doman, who's also really never played a full season healthy, but we know he's got potential for Nebraska. Like he can give them something if he's there. Um, then Alex Davis, who you know played 256 snaps and had two tackles last year. So you're relying on a cast of characters on arguably the most important position in a three-four defense. Uh, one of the most important positions, I should say, the um, to to produce, and you know, could somebody else step up that we don't know about? Could a um, Garrett Nelson or somebody else um, provide there? But outside linebacker still worries me because it's so important in the three four defense. Well, if Alex Davis could continue his pretty rapid trajectory this off season, uh, he could be a guy that could be a factor. He looked really good in the spring game and obviously got a lot of glowing reports from his coaches all spring. So uh, as long as that continues, he at least will give them a pretty good uh, top spot. Yeah. Basically every position group that we just talked about, I think would be candidates for a possible grad transfer or something like that. Um, you know, as this, as the staff maybe takes a look at, 
or inventory of, of spring football and, and sees what's you know kind of available out there. Nate, I'll say this quickly here on center. Uh, the Iowa Western transfer, Wegner, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Wegner. From what I saw eyeballing him, I, I don't see him – having a chance to compete. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look like he, he a prize did. fighter, that's he, for sure. He, I mean, he didn't look good getting off the yeah, old bus on yeah. Saturday when and I the, saw him. The film is impressive, but yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, he's he's not here. Um, he hasn't been here working out all spring. And so, I mean, he's I think he's going to come in behind the eight ball when, once he arrives on campus and, and is behind Cameron Juergens and Hunter Miller and Will Farniak and, and all those guys. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift over to basketball. Big recruiting weekend for Nebraska. And Doc Sadler is back. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Probably a lot of people ask why I would do something like I'm doing. And I I think the answer is uh, there's not very many people that I would do this with. But having coached against uh, Fred and then obviously working for him, I think that uh, that gave me enough insight to know what I was going to be getting into. You know, I've, I was head coach for 16 years. That's enough. I was ready to, to move on. The last five years have been long and hard, and we finally got our program back to where it's stable, and I felt comfortable leaving. Coach uh, visited with me for a couple weeks about it, and really at first probably wasn't uh, something I was thinking about, but as time went on, I thought it was the right thing for me. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett has lots of catch up here on Nebraska basketball. But let's first start with the biggest storyline of the week. Former fired head coach Doc Sadler, Robin, comes back to Lincoln as an assistant coach role. He'll make $320,000, just slightly below what he made as a 20-game winner head coach at Southern Miss this past season. What's your level of surprise on this move by Sadler? Um, a couple of weeks ago, probably would have been a little more surprised. Uh, but as the rumors kind of started heating up, there was more and more smoke to it. Uh, I mean, it really became a, a real thing. And, you know, last week we caught wind that, uh, that that was probably something that was in the makings and it was really close to happening. Uh, Doc met with his athletic director, his new athletic director, who that probably had something to do with his decision um, last Thursday and that morning and shortly after the meeting announced his resignation from Southern Miss. And then as soon as he got done with his press conference, he was on a flight to Lincoln where he met with Fred Hoiberg and accepted the job and his uh, was officially announced as a new assistant coach on Friday. So uh, it happened relatively fast, but this was something that I think was cooking for a while. Um, you know, obviously Fred and Doc go way, way back. Uh, they have a great relationship. And you know, now that he's on staff, uh, what really I like about the group that Fred was able to assemble is the different number of specialties each one of these guys brings to the table. And obviously Doc being a longtime head coach, been at Nebraska, has kind of been here, done that, and seen everything, um, that is invaluable uh, just to, for of a resource uh, for you know a young, relatively young head coach, Fred, to, to lean on. And then his defensive acumen. I mean, he's regarded as one of the best defensive minds in the game. And he showed that during his time at Nebraska. Obviously, offense was a struggle, but his defensive scouting reports were fantastic. And they gave Kansas and Texas and all those schools a lot of trouble in the Big 12. And then Matt Abdelmasi, he's your recruiter. He is the dude that you hand the checkbook to and he goes to the grocery store and he gets all the groceries for you to cook with be careful with that hand the checkbook line oh yeah yeah just, just, we're talking basketball here you gotta just, be just a, a bad uh, analogy there <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway so he he is the regarded as one of the best recruiters in the country especially when it comes to the transfer market and so he's going to be the guy that basically is in charge of assembling the new wave of what Nebraska basketball players look like. Uh, and then Armand Gates, he's got recruiting chops too, specifically uh, with uh, some strong connections in Chicago and the Midwest. Uh, and he's you know a pretty good coach as well too. So he's going to do a little bit of everything. And then Bobby Lutz joins the equation as a special assistant to the head coach. He, like Doc, has uh, been around a long, long time. He's got 37 years of coaching experience, uh, and he's going to be in charge of kind of the long-term scouting where, uh, as opposed to just the staff kind of taking it game by game, he's going to have scouting reports out on every single team uh, through the whole season. And he's going to be in charge of scheduling. Uh, he's going to be in charge of kind of all the same things that uh, a director of operations would be 
but with a lot more input and ability to kind of uh, add his two cents into how Nebraska should prepare for an opponent, uh, what types of strategies they can use. And so there's going to be some coaching elements in there, even though he's not necessarily a coach. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, as we talk some Nebraska basketball storylines. Let's get to the roster. And, I mean, it's an ever-flowing glass of wine right now. I mean, it's so hard to know what it's going to look like one day to the next, Robin. It's a very fluid situation. Um, but when you look at it now, I guess, first of all, best guess on number of players Nebraska adds to the roster when you count the already signed recruits and the new bodies they want to go after, whether it's transfers, JUCOs, more high school guys. Well, there's probably going to be at least four. That's bare minimum. And then if well, I how many they got now? Three. They have four open scholarships right now. And if Isaiah Roby leaves, that's five. And if there's any more attrition, which I expect that there probably will be, uh, especially when the semester comes to a close, you're looking at even more after that. So they're going to have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, to where I mean, you're talking about maybe five, six new guys, depending on if they use all 13 of those scholarships and who all leaves uh, that is currently on scholarship right now. So it's going to be a completely different looking team from what we saw a year ago. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, given the amount of turnover, especially with the senior group that left and then Isaiah potentially leaving. Uh, they got some work to do, but uh, with what we've seen from them already on the recruiting front, uh, with the visitor list that they came in for the spring game with four guys, uh, they have two more this weekend, and then have another big group coming in the following weekend. Uh, they're going to be in on some guys that are going to be immediate impact players that if they're able to land those commitments, which I think they're confident they're going to get a few of those, uh, then you're going to have a lot of those needs addressed relatively quickly. And this, when you look at this transition, Robin, it's almost more about year two. And you can kind of look at some similar situations around the country like Pittsburgh. You know, Jeff Capel walked into a situation where he had really nothing to work with and uh, you know, they, I think they built a lot in year one. I mean, look at Memphis right now with Penny Hardaway. I mean, they're, they're a top 10 preseason team in a lot of polls in his second year with what he's able to build the transfers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I kind of envision that here. It's going to be a lot like Iowa State where the first year it's going to be uh, up and down year. But I think year two is kind of what you have to kind of look at right now. Yeah. And, you know, here's the deal, though. I mean, you got Gervais Green, who's media eligible. You got, you know, guys like you know Cameron Mack, another JUCO transfer, uh, and, you know, Hanif Cheatham, a grad transfer, guys that are going to be able to play right away that if they get them, all of a sudden that cupboard doesn't look all that bare for year one. So uh, and then what happens if Isaiah Roby comes back? Then, I mean, you're talking about just trying to get over 500 to potentially being an NCAA tournament team. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot still to be determined about what we should expect from year one. But I also think they're going to schedule accordingly. I think that your non-conference schedule isn't going to be quite as beefed up as uh, maybe it has been in previous years. And I think they just want to get the win total up. You know, they, they want to get some momentum going that they can sell uh, to recruits, say, and look at this turnaround, or not turnaround, but look at the progress we made in just year one. Imagine what, you know, you could bring to the table uh, in year two and beyond. So that's, I think, kind of the formula is to replicate what they did at Iowa State when they finished 500, and they were perfectly content with that because it was a nice step in the right direction for what turned out to be a very impressive year two. Do they have to play in some sort of tournament, whether it's a They thing? will. I mean, a, like a mini four-teamer? Or? Yeah, and Bobby Lutz said that uh, basically their entire non-con is tentatively set right now. Uh, you so got, you don't know what the tournament is, though, yet? No, none of it's, none of it's been finalized, so he wasn't going to say anything. So, uh, But they're, they've already made a lot of headway in scheduling, so they know pretty well what that schedule is going to look like. And I would imagine there's going to be some neutral site. I mean, that's that's going to be a routine thing year in, year out, like what they did in Kansas City last year. Sioux Falls. And I don't believe they're going to play a Gavit game this year, the, 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 the Big East. Is it two out of three yeah, years? Big East Big Ten. Yeah, uh, something like that. Three out of four, two out of three, something like that. Well, they get great every year yeah, anyway. This is, well, that doesn't count. That's It's a different game. So, like, last year was Seton Hall. Uh, so th- they played Villanova. I think this is going to be their year off with that, which of all the years for it to happen, I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think that's game is going to be replaced with probably a lower level team to add another win to the schedule. Uh, but you're going to get maybe a two or three or four team, uh, little non-con tournament at some neutral site destination. Uh, you have your big 10 ACC challenge, uh, you have Creighton, and you know I think they'll kind of piece things around. The probably- so you have three power power six league games. Yeah, at, at least at least, and you know, they might add another one, but uh, I think by and large they're going to schedule a little softer 
just to, like I said, three to four. Yeah, just just to give themselves a little bit more of a, a cushion to add some wins. Because you play only twelve now, right? Did it go from fourteen to like what is the? Is it twelve? All right, so they play twenty conference games, and you're either going to play thirty or thirty-one, depending on the year. So, so ten or eleven. Ten or eleven. So depending on if you're an eight team or a four team or how you want to do it. But last year, Nebraska played a Division two game over break, which didn't count on the RPI. So yeah, you kind of look at it. You, you would like to be at a respectable like seven and three, eight and two going into the conference. Yeah, and if they can do that, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, Creighton's I, preseason ranked, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, they were they're bringing a lot of people back, so yeah, that's. That'd be a good one. So, like I said, I don't think they need to go above and beyond year one. And I think that they're kind of try to get some balance to get some confidence while also challenging. Because I mean, twenty games in the Big Ten, we all know how difficult that can be. ACC challenge will be in Lincoln this year because they were at Clemson last year. Is that? I mean, do they do that every? You rotate it, and they try to. They try to. So I would expect it. So to Duke be, is coming to Lincoln. Yes, yes, Duke or North Carolina. They never get. I mean, they've got a. I mean. I'm trying to think, Clemson. Well, they played Florida State. They played yeah, Clemson. They played, they played Clemson Boston twice. College. Played, Wake Forest. Yep, yep. So I mean, the the cream of the crop. Pick the, your old orange bowl uh, opponent. Yeah, of the bottom. Yeah, basically, well, what football schools can we match together for basketball? All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to shift over to the mailbag. Grace Harmon is in studio, and she'll join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The defense has definitely been doing a, a good job all spring. And Coach is right, you know, uh, they had a good day today, but they've had better days too throughout the spring, and I think it's uh, it's what we strive for, you know, iron shapens iron, you know. Um, when the defense is playing really well, it forces the offense to step up too. So um, I hope they stay on that path, and it'll help us as an offensive unit get better. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was quarterback Adrian Martinez as – Talk about just the uh, growth that he saw from Nebraska's defense here over the spring. Well, now it's time for the mailbag as Husker Online intern Grace Harmon joining us here in studio with a bag full of questions. Grace, great to see you as always. And what do you have to start us out with? All right. Well, the first one I have is, do you notice any specific trends regarding the type of player this coaching staff likes to recruit as opposed to the previous ones? I mean, it shouldn't be like, obvious I mean it's almost obvious that they want longer leaner faster guys um, I think when they got here you know one of the guys joked to me I think we have short and fat covered on this team they had a lot of short dudes with not very good bodies they had safeties as we saw last year the guys that played and that ran four eight forties at the pro day so this was a very short team that wasn't very fast and so they're getting longer and faster and I think they've shown that the last two recruiting classes yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest difference to me is not necessarily the the shape or the size difference or speed difference. It's the it's just how confident they are in their evaluations. Um, they are not afraid to offer a five star player that fits at, at one of the spots that, that they want, and they're not afraid to offer somebody who's not even ranked, like uh, Nash Hutmacher. Well, like Nash Hutmacher or last year uh, Matthew Anderson. There was Matthew Anderson had like uh, Nickel State when Nebraska offered to him last year. And generally in the past, I think the staffs would have been like, okay, what's wrong? What, we like this kid on film, but what, what is there that we don't know? Nebraska said, this kid fits what we want to do. He's a, he's a big athlete. Why, why wait to offer him? So uh, to me, that's the biggest difference, just the confidence in their evaluations. you got to give them credit, too, for their ability to project – guys at different positions you know Nate you know, talked about that long-term vision these guys have uh, Cam Taylor going from quarterback to maybe one of their best all-around defensive backs Cam Jurgens, uh, who was a you know a tight end some people thought he should be a defensive end Luke McCaffrey yeah I mean guys that you know people like everyone else sees as one thing they see as something else and it turns out what they see is usually the right call all right, taking your questions in the mailbag. What do you have next? All right, so regarding new D-line commit, Jakeem Green, do you think he's going to play more than four games, or is he going to take a red shirt this season? I think he's tailor-made for the four-game rule. Um, with six established guys coming back, he's going to have to essentially beat out a DeAndre Thomas or somebody that's played a lot of football. So I think the beauty, Nate, is this four-game rule can really help Nebraska with a guy like Jakeem Green. Yeah, it's, it is the perfect situation since he's got three years to uh, to play two. But I'm not going to say for sure that he's a, a, going to be a, a definite redshirt uh, candidate because Tony Tuioti has said that he'd ideally like to have six to eight guys to, to roll through there. And, and I think if, if, he's, if he's a guy they can justify, you know, 
uh, getting enough stat- snaps from to justify using his, his year of eligibility, I think they'll probably do it. But but you're right. I, I do think um, the ideal scenario would be to play him in four games and then redshirt him and have him for two more years, given all the bodies that they lose off that D-line at the end of next season. All right, so we've got a basketball question for Robin. Um, say we get Cheatham and Mac somehow locked down. Um, what do you think that rotation will look like next year? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously that changes your whole uh, picture of what next season's roster could look like. I mean, because those are two immediately eligible players that uh, would be starters, in my opinion. Um, obviously, uh, Cam Mack, the junior college uh, standout from Salt Lake City, uh, he's actually rated higher than Gervais Green in the junior college 2019 rankings. He's the second overall player in the country, whereas Green is the number three. And so, I mean, talk about a one-two punch right there along with Deshaun Burke, and then you throw in Hanif Cheatham, uh, the Florida Gulf Coast grad transfer by way of Marquette, who's a former four-star top 100 player in his own right. Uh, that is a, a pretty good foundation. Uh, and then, you know, you look ahead, what is Isaiah Roby going to do? And if Isaiah Roby comes back, that is an NCAA tournament team that might win a game or two. <laughs> so talk about just trying to get through year one to all of a sudden raising the bar of expectations pretty significantly. And Honestly, with both those guys, I, I like Nebraska's chances. Um, you know, I think that Cam Mack, uh, he hasn't set a visit yet, but it's expected that he will be here, um, not this weekend, but next weekend. And then obviously Hanif Cheatham is taking an official visit this, this weekend, and Nebraska's basically going up against Arkansas. Uh, and if they can beat that out, I mean, that's, that's a pretty darn good three-hit combo with Gervais Green, Hanif Cheatham, and Cam Mack. Taking your questions in the mailbag with Grace Harmon. What's next, Grace? All right, so it's Saturday's spring game. Who stuck out to you um, on both sides of the ball? Well, the crowd, number one, <laughs> would be my number one thing, just the, the day and everything. But I think the defensive line for me and just the depth that those guys brought, um, th- that that's going to be a good unit. I mean, I think you could argue, besides Adrian Martinez, that's the strength of this team coming out of the spring, and that's a very, very good strength to have. On offense, I thought the quarterback depth. I mean, I really think when you go all the way down to Matt Masker, it's as good of a group as Nebraska's had um, of guys that want to be here. I think last year you had three guys that two of them were going to leave if they didn't get the job, and that's what happened, where all of these guys appear to be invested to be a part of this system and understand that Martinez is the guy. So quarterback would be my other one. Yeah, uh, I'd say Noah Vedrill, going with your quarterback answer. You know, He just looks so much more comfortable than he did a year ago. And a lot of that is he's actually working with the first-team offense. I mean, he was basically relegated to scout team uh, under the assumption that he wasn't going to play at all last year, and then he got thrown into the fire and kind of was just running on memory uh, against Bethune-Cookman, and you know the results kind of showed that. But uh, given some time actually working with the offense and getting some you know familiarity there, uh, he looked much better. And right now, like Scott Frost said, he'd probably be your number two quarterback if they had to play they. Uh, on the other side of the ball, there's a lot of guys, Alex Davis, Flash, but Garrett Nelson. I thought God. it was really Robin. <laughs> Robin, just take the whole team, buddy. Hey, I listed three guys. But uh, Garrett Nelson, I mean, I don't know how much he's going to play, but for a freshman coming in his very first spring game, he was making plays, and he had that just fire and intensity. I mean, he, Like Terry Keneally yeah, in the 94 exactly. Orange Bowl sacking <laughs> Fred Costa. Yeah, yeah, with that flowing mullet, man. It was a sight to see. Well, I was going to go Garrett Nelson. And yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm going to stay with Garrett Let's Nelson. Let's go. Let's double he's, up. You know, out of all the newcomers, I think that he – he, you could argue that he's most physically ready to see the football field, and uh, and there's no doubt in my mind he's going to contribute to this team next year, if only as a special teams monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that you know what he showed over the weekend, um, you know, there's a possibility he could even see him, you know, get on the field in some cases. They're they're not exactly you know four deep at any position there along the you know special teams though yeah but special teams there's no doubt he's going to be a difference maker and just his attitude and and his fire is i just love that kid so uh he i think he's going to be uh you know he's somebody who really impressed me over the weekend all right two more questions what's next all right well after the spring game how many 2020 commits will nebraska have uh, by the first game of the season you know, I, I think the class will be – there's a good chance it will be, you know, close to half full. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see anywhere from 10 to 12 commits by the time the first game rolls around. And then really that's what we've kind of become accustomed to seeing, that, you know, it kind of starts out a little slow. And then between – from the time the spring game happens until the end of June when, when camp season is officially over, you really see the, a string of commits happen. And, and that's where I think you're going you're gonna to see probably – 
you know, eight to nine commits happen now that now that they've gotten Corcoran in the boat. Um, you know, I, I think that I think we're going to see close to 10 to 12 by the time the season starts. And and that's a great spot to be halfway done, to have a lot of your a lot of your high targets uh, already in the boat. And so you can kind of narrow things down and focus on your remaining uh, highly valued guys. OK, final question here, Grace. What's last? All right. Are you guys going to order the Crawford fight? And what's your prediction? Well, let me say this first. Uh, Husker Online, as you know, on, on the site, uh, we are an official pay-per-view provider uh, with Top Rank Boxing for the fight. So if you do want to order the fight, uh, we have all the information online, um, and you can stream it through Roku, Apple TV, any device you have. So get on Husker Online. We've got you covered on the fight. All right, so as for the fight, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it because I'm being California, but I do think Crawford wins. It's going to be, I think, a tough fight. Um, Amir Khan, to me, is as strong of a fighter as he's fought. Um, I see Crawford winning late, maybe 11th, 10th round uh, in, a, in a TKO. Dang, TKO. Okay, I got Crawford uh, by decision. You're going to the cards. I'm going to the cards, uh, and I will be getting the fight. I am all in on Team Crawford. Fun little note, one of his trainers, actually the, his basically top trainer, is Jamie Belt, former Nebraska strength coach. He was featured in the video we posted on yeah, the site. so there you go. If you want to check it out, uh, he's definitely got some Husker ties, and hopefully uh, Bud does his state proud once again. Yeah, I'm all in on the fight. We'll be getting it, and I'm going to go with Bud Crawford. But I do think that it is going to be a tough fight for him, and it'll probably go, I'm saying at least eight rounds, but I'm, I'm going to pick Bud in a TKO as well. Mm. And to give you an idea how much attention this fight gets, I know sometimes we, we don't know a lot about the boxing stuff, obviously. It's not our cup of tea, but we posted a fight preview video that Top Rank gave us on our YouTube channel, and it's approaching, it's approaching 100,000 views. So, I mean, you, you look at Amir Khan. I mean, this guy's a world icon, not only in England, but with the Muslim community. So... There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the fight. I'll be curious what the final pay-per-view buy numbers are. Um, it's my understanding that Khan could have fought somebody else for more money, but he wanted this opportunity to take on Crawford. So looking forward to Saturday, and that wraps it up for the mailbag. Grace, thank you as always. Thank you very much. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some final thoughts from the spring recruiting weekend next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I love having those guys back because, one, uh, I care about them and they care about me. Uh, but I also like to see our have our players see those guys back and, and see what it means to be a Husker football player and see how it goes with you your whole life and see how the fans still know who you are. There really is no place like Nebraska as far as that goes. If, if you're a great player here, people are going to remember you the rest of your life and those guys are still pulling for the guys playing today. It's awesome to kind of continue that fraternity and have the guys come back and, and teach this group uh, what it's supposed to look like. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. That was Scott Frost discussing just having all those guys back in Lincoln and just the atmosphere, the brotherhood, the bond, and leads us into our final segment here about recruiting, Nate, and just that atmosphere and what it meant for Nebraska. Well, it's already led to two new commits for the Big Red uh, one for 2019, but let's get to 2020 first. Uh, Nebraska gets arguably one of the top players in the 500-mile radius to commit um, and Turner Corcoran out of Lawrence Free State. Yeah, big-time commitment for Nebraska. I mean, if you were going to draw up a, a hypothetical board of the most wanted recruits that Nebraska was after, I think Turner Corcoran would be Right at the very top of that list, and and uh, and you said it. He's one of the most, um, you know, highly rated and and probably most impressive prospects within the 500 mile radius, and that's an area that Nebraska has to do well in recruiting. And so, um, you know, when you're talking about the the number one kid in the state of Kansas that that plays a position like offensive tackle, which is really you know a highly valued position, that it's got offers from Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. Um, I mean, in the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, it's a big deal. And so they, they got him wrapped up this weekend. And, and I kind of knew that the things were trending in this direction, um, you know, about a week and a half ago or, or whenever it was when, when the news kind of got out that, that he was going to Nebraska and uh, going to go to the spring game and he wanted to keep it a secret. Um, you know, he told me 
Uh, he told me, yeah, I'm going to be there, but don't tell anybody. Don't report that. Okay. So I kind of sit on that news. And, and we, generally when you have a recruit that's telling you that, it, it means that they're getting ready to do something. There's a reason why they'd want to f- kind of fly under the radar. And, and I think his hope was that he was going to be able to show up in Lincoln and commit to the staff, kind of surprise the staff, and then be a surprise visitor and, and put the news out there and, and really make a big wave with this deal. And um, I mean, regardless, his commitment made a big wave wave however he decided to do it uh, but the news got out that he was going to be there and, and so we ended up reporting it but um, you know just the fact that he told me yeah um, you know I'm, I'm going to be there but don't tell anybody uh, that that to me let me know that yeah something's getting ready to happen here and, and even though he had been saying yeah, I'm going to be looking at a target date of you know making a decision right before my senior year I, I had a pretty good feeling that this was going to happen he did it on Friday night and made the news official or public rather on on Saturday and, and this gives Nebraska a lot of momentum he's very good friends with uh, with a handful of other highly valued targets that Nebraska's after most notably Xavier Watts at Omaha Burke and Blaze Gunnerson the outside linebacker from Iowa. Uh, but anytime you, now Nebraska's got two top 100 recruits in their class out of three commits. And then their other kid is Logan Smothers, who is also at the game, who's their hand picked quarterback. Um, I mean, if that doesn't get other recruits' attention of what's going on here, I, I don't know what's going to. Yeah, you look at Blaze Gunderson, Nate, and kind of reminds you a little bit of the Messiah Newsom thing a year ago, just an Iowa kid that he's really the last high valued target in Iowa on the board for next year. And Nebraska has a very good shot with him. And Eric Chenander has proven that he can go into Iowa. And, I mean, it was the first – last year, you, you look at Newsom, he was the first true Eastern Iowa guy to commit and sign with Nebraska since Marquis Simmons back in 2000. And, you know, Blaze Gunderson looks like a guy Nebraska could, could get as well. Yeah, he's, he's said after his visit, he, he's now down to Iowa State and Nebraska – and honestly, I think it's just a matter of time until he goes ahead and commits to Nebraska. I think it could happen at any point in time. But you look at his offers, he's got a really nice offer list. And most most notably, both in-state schools have offered. Iowa State and Iowa both want this guy. And so if Nebraska can go ahead and pull him out of Iowa, that's that's a big deal. Um, and especially, I mean, he's been on Iowa's campus probably six or seven times. He, he may be the version of Turner Corcoran to the Hawkeyes, you know, that, that, that Turner was to Nebraska, you know, because Turner visited – uh, close to nine or ten times over the last year, and, and Blaze has been to to Iowa City um, at least six or seven times over the last year. So um, you know, and, and I think this is going to happen. And and he plays a, a position of need, obviously the outside linebacker position, and uh, really athletic, really good looking, six five, about two hundred and forty pound uh, athlete that Blaze Gunnerson is. So uh, that's something to definitely keep an eye on here over the coming weeks. All right, and we talked about him last week, but Jakeem Green. Uh, Green, um, 2019 defensive lineman, made it official. Um, you know, he, he committed and going to sign and be a part of this 2019 class for a four star that was going to go to South Carolina. Thoughts on getting Green now officially in the boat? Well, this is, uh, you have to tip your hat to the job Ryan Held did here. I think that, um, you know, his connections in the junior college world were obviously paid off here. And most, most uh, you know, more specifically, his connections to Highland Community College. That's where he used to be uh, the head coach at uh, once upon a time. They've got some Nebraska connections on that staff. Uh, Judd Remmers is from Nebraska. Uh, Kyler Reed, the former Nebraska tight end, is on that staff. And so, um, you know, when, when Green was committed to South Carolina but didn't sign you 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 saw Ryan Held. He he started to investigate the situation. What's going on? What's what's the deal? Well, it turns out that in order for him to graduate this year, he had to take an online um, a math class. And for whatever reason, this might be the only loophole that the the Nebraska or the Big Ten has over the SEC. The SEC does not allow non qualifiers to uh, enroll into their schools with an online math class on their on their transcripts. And so it essentially wrote off all SEC schools from from contention uh, you know when it comes to Jakeem Green and so and you had Alabama Georgia South Carolina Tennessee those schools were wanting him on their campus in their program and so 
Um, you know, when all those SEC schools were out of out of the mix, Nebraska was uh, was kind of an obvious choice. They they got him on campus twice in the span of two weeks and closed the deal over the weekend. Now he can be on campus as soon as he graduates in in late May, early June. Um, go through you know summer conditioning and, and and maybe provide Nebraska with some much needed depth this season or for sure uh, for two years down the road because he does have that that red shirt to use. And that's a position Nate where you can never have enough bodies. You have to load up. Yeah, enough big athletic bodies. He's he's a legit 6'4", 305 pounds, can play the nose. I think he's also got the length and athleticism uh, to play some defensive end in Nebraska's defensive front. And so um, a really versatile guy and, and a, a very valuable piece that that's going to be for Nebraska for the next couple of years. Nate, a couple big high-value Arizona targets were in Lincoln. Yeah, so you want to talk about, um, you know, Tommy Christakos, who is a kind of a, a hybrid wide receiver, tight end type of player, uh, 6'4", 205 pounds, tremendous hands. He's got uh, – I mean, he can – he's a, it's just a matchup problem uh, for, for offenses, especially in high school. Uh, but he's a guy that I think Nebraska likes as a hybrid tight end uh, at the next level, um, you know, just with his height and his leaping ability. Um, but also, interesting enough, he is a kicker. Uh, he is he has hit a couple fifty plus yard field goals field goals in high school, um, and he's also like a four point uh, or four point four GPA. All the Ivy League schools are after this kid too, so he kind of checks all the boxes uh, as far as you know a, a kid that could do a lot of different things that that I think this coaching staff would like to have in their program. Um, and then Malik Reed is an inside linebacker from Arizona, from Chandler, Arizona. Uh, you know he knows Javen Wright. Uh, those guys have played. Against one another in high school, Hamilton and Chandler have a pretty good rivalry uh, between the two. Uh, but Nebraska needs help, needs depth in that inside linebacker position, and, and both those guys love their trip to Nebraska. Um, and it helped having you know uh, Noah Pola Gates, uh, Ty Robinson, Javen Wright on campus this weekend. Some some of the Arizona guys that signed in 2019 uh, to have those guys on campus, I think, was a big deal as well. Nate, lastly, Xavier Watts was here again any read on him at all it seems like he's going to be the hardest one to get at this point as far as just how he keeps his cards very close to the vest as well yeah he doesn't say a whole lot um in terms of who his leader is or what direction he may be leaning but i'll tell you this um you know he's coming off of a recent visit to notre dame and and they did a really good job um they're making him a priority recruit but this weekend, I think, really helped Nebraska's chances. Uh, he's got a really good relationship with Blaze Gunnerson, Turner Corcoran, Alex Kahn, the big offensive tackle out of Kansas as well. Those guys have, have kind of struck up a good relationship. And, um, you know, and, and I think that he's going to take some official visits. But right now, I'd still say Nebraska may be holding the cards here. Uh, but they're going to have to fight off Notre Dame and, and Michigan. Well, it was a very busy weekend, and uh, plenty of news will continue to come out of the spring game uh, weekend as far as not only roster news but recruiting news and also make sure if you want to watch the Crawford con fight log on to huskeronline.com we got you covered in that area you can order the fight directly on the front page of husker online as watch nebraska's own terrence crawford fight in madison square garden here saturday night on espn pay-per-view Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.